You're listening to the Jewel City Podcast. To help us spread the gospel of Jesus, give us a five-star rating. That'll help others find this podcast. In this podcast, we're diving into the book of Revelations with Lynn Cleland. Church, there's a cause for celebration. We have heard enough bad news. Tonight, we're going to get a lot of good news. Amen? Amen. So the seven years that we've talked about, the church has been raptured. And it's in heaven. And we're before the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema seat. Not to determine whether or not we're saved or we're lost, but to determine what rewards we'll receive from what we've done in this life. And from my study, I've determined that at that last reward that is given to the Christian, they will be married during that process to Jesus Christ and become now, instead of the church, the bride of Christ. Wow. The bride of Christ. Amen? Stand to your feet, church, as we open up with our scripture from the word of God. If you remember, when Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper and he broke bread with his disciples, he said something that was very important. And that's what we'll read about tonight in Revelation. So we open with Matthew, the 26th chapter, and verse 29. And Jesus said this, to his disciples. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day. Someone say that day. What day, Jesus, are you talking about? When I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, God, for your word. Father, how we can read your word, Father, and we can look elsewhere, Father, within your book, the Bible, and make sense, God, to make sense of what you're trying to tell us, Lord. And Father, it makes us better children, Father. It makes us better Christians. It brings us closer to you, God. That's where we want to be, God, closer to you. For Father, when things are happening around us, When we're close to you, Father, we're secure. As Pastor said this morning, we're in the palm of your hand, God. God, I ask you to be with me tonight, Father. As we get into your word, Father, the last chapters of Revelation, God. And God, the good news, Father, that's coming down for us. I pray it for your son Jesus' precious name. Amen. So we begin tonight in chapter 19. And you'll see, as I said when I came up here initially, there's a cause for celebration. And that's exactly what's going to take place in heaven, a celebration. So chapter 19, verse 1, and John writes this, after these things. What things, John, are you talking about? Well, what did we talk about last week? The judgment of Babylon, the commercial government Babylon, and the religious Babylon, 
God judged those two things. He's already judged man previously in the judgments that we went over. Remember those? The seals, the trumpets, the bowls, the vile judgments. Now God has completely judged everything on man. And during those judgments, they were severe, very severe. It caused man to repent to turn around, to acknowledge that these judgments are coming from God and as a result, we need to make a change. So during that seven years, there'll be saints, tribulation saints, people that accept Jesus during, the, and I think there'll be a great number of people that accept Jesus as their Lord during those seven years. Verse one, and I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, hallelujah, salvation, and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments. For he hath judged the great whore which did corrupt the earth with her fornication and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. And again they said, Alleluia. And her smoke rose up forever and ever. Verse four, and the four and 20 elders and the four beasts fell down. And I wrote here in my Bible, we have a hard time, but throughout Revelation, we've seen these four beasts and these 24 elders constantly, nonstop, worshiping God. And the reason they don't have a problem, church, is because they're in the presence of God. They're before him. And I want to tell you, when you get before God that day, when that day comes, you won't have a problem worshiping God and his son Jesus. Amen? So, so church, don't make it feel so unusual when you get there. Remember what I said my dad said? Heaven doesn't change you. You have to be that person here. When you step into heaven, you should already be the person. Don't wait for heaven to change you. Be the person that heaven wants here while we're here on this earth. Amen? That sat on the throne, God that sat on the throne saying, amen, hallelujah. And a voice came out of the throne saying, praise our God, all ye servants, and ye that fear him, both small and great. And I heard as if it were the voice of a great multitude and remember, John's trying to explain all this as he's seeing everything. And as the voice of many waters, the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. He has unlimited power and authority. God has unlimited power and authority. That's what that word means. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come. Now, there's two things going on. The marriage of the Lamb, marriage supper of the Lamb. When we have a marriage... The two are joined together, husband and wife. So the groom, Jesus, his bride, the church is joined together. And then we're going to have a reception. A reception. The marriage supper of the Lamb. And this will be a reception unlike any other. Because you know who the host is? Yeah. Jesus is the host. God Almighty is the host. What kind of celebration will that be? Amen. Yes, amen. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted 
that she should be arrayed in fine linen. We get fine linen, church, fine linen. Clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. Verse 9, and he said unto me, write, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, these are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him. I think John is so amazed, church. There's so much going on here in heaven. All this celebration, he's seeing people around him, angels, God's there on the throne. His son Jesus is there. And this angel walks up behind him. He just falls down. He's thinking probably that's Jesus right there, but it's not. And what's the angel tell him? See thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. When you testify of Jesus, that is true prophecy. When you speak of his name, that's true prophecy. Now we come to a very important part of this chapter. And if you would, I know you just got up, but I want you to stand, church, for this segment. This is the second coming of our Lord Jesus. This is referred to as the second advent, the rapture of the church when he returns in the clouds together his church is not the second coming. This is the second coming. And before I begin to read uh, verse 11, Matthew 24 and verse 30, I pulled two verses in church. The Bible is loaded with verses that supports this next section. The Old Testament prophets wrote about it everywhere. But I pulled two verses, Matthew 24, 30. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. Oh, glory. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Zechariah, the 12th chapter in verse nine. And it shall come to pass in that day, God's saying this, that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. This is what is taking place when Jesus comes back the second time. Now let's read, you may be seated. And I saw heaven opened. When heaven opens church, amazing things are about to happen. We've seen that happen once before. Remember in chapter four, heaven opened and John was taken up into heaven so he could see this vision of everything that was gonna take place on earth. And behold, a white horse. It's not the white horse we read about in chapter six. That was the antichrist. This is Jesus Christ. And he that sat upon it, here we go, church, was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were like flame of fire. Remember, we described him that way earlier. And on his head were many crowns, many crowns, because he is the king of kings. He's the king of all the kings that we've talked about earlier of all these countries. These seven heads, remember we talked about that church? He's the king of those kings. That's why he has seven crowns, more crowns on his head than they do. Amen? 
He's the king of kings. And he had a name written that no man knew, but he himself, verse 13, he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the word of God. And the armies which are in heaven followed him with white horses clothed in fine linen, white and clean. What did we say, church, that the church was going to be dressed in when we married? Fine linen. Look at Jude quickly. Look at Jude. First chapter. I got you there. First chapter. Verses 14 and 15. And Enoch, listen to these words, church. It's the same words that we're reading right here. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of thee, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against them. That's what we're going to do when Jesus comes back on the white horse. We're following him and we're going to bring judgment on those who remain on the earth that are trying to rebel against Jesus Christ. Believe it or not, man is actually going to think he can assemble an army in the valley of Jehoshaphat and go against God Almighty. Now, initially, I think they come, as I read, they assemble their armies to go against the Antichrist. They're kind of fed up a little bit with what he's been doing here on earth. And in turn, when they're there, they're actually going to, God's going to change their minds and harden their hearts, and they're going to actually try to fight against Jesus Christ. Can you believe that? Yeah, I can believe it. You know why I can believe it? Just turn on the news in the evening and see what man's doing now. That's exactly what he's doing. Now. He's indispensable. He, he can do anything he wants. Fight, hate, no love. That's man. That's the, that's the heart of man now. It's the same heart that existed when God said he was going to flood the earth to Noah. It's the same heart always bent on evil. That's the heart that's going to take place here in this battle. Verse 15, and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, and with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he had on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings. He's got this written on his thighs, church, and Lord of lords, and I saw an angel standing in the sun and cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of the heavens, come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God. The carnage here will be so great, God is going to call the fowls of the air to come and clean it up. That's how great this carnage will be when Jesus returns the second time. That ye may eat the flesh of kings... They're going to get the best here. The flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, flesh of horses, and them that sat on them, and the flesh of all men, both free and bomb, both small and great. Verse 19, and I saw a beast. Who was the beast earlier, church? The Antichrist. And the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken. And with him, the false prophet, 
that wrought miracles before him with which he deceived them and that he received the mark of the beast and them that worshiped him and his image. These both, the first occupants of hell, church, these both were cast alive into the lake of fire burning with brimstone. And the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceeded out of his mouth and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. Hallelujah. So as we open with chapter 19, we see this eruption of praise in heaven. They acknowledge that God has just judged the harlot uh, Babylon and avenged the blood of the martyrs. Remember earlier in Revelation where those who had been martyred under the throne were crying out, how long, O Lord, it's done now. God has taken care of that. After these things, it's the end. This seven years of tribulation is now over. Now God is getting ready to set up his millennial kingdom that we talked about in Matthew, that Jesus will drink again anew in his father's kingdom. Jesus is about to show everyone how to rule and reign. Church, this is what we're after. We're after this marriage supper of the Lamb. This is the event we all should be waiting for. I I wrote this in here because I've said this during a whole study. Praise in heaven should be easy for those who praise here on earth. I just thought I'd throw that in there. The fine linen that we talked about. I have here marriage of the Lamb in heaven, marriage supper on earth. And Rita, you and I went back and forth on this. I, I believe that if you stay into the order of what, how Revelation is written, that the marriage supper will happen in heaven. But there are some that believe that the marriage supper of the Lamb will take place during the millennial kingdom, at the beginning of the millennial kingdom. Either way, I wouldn't argue with you. Uh, it could be right on either occasion. When Jesus came the first time, church, what was he on? A donkey. He was announced as the Messiah when he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. When he comes back the second time, he's on a white horse. Look at the names that the Bible that John gives him. He's faithful. He's true. He's righteous. Boy, wouldn't we like to have somebody like that today after all that we're seeing? His eyes are like fire. He has many crowns. He's the word of God. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of Lord. He's Jesus Christ. He's the Messiah. Amen? Amen, church. Give God a hand clap of praise. He is the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. Amen. When he came the first time, he wore a crown of thorns on his head. He came as the lamb the sacrificed lamb. When he comes back the next time, he comes as the king, a crown on his head as he's king. And he's coming back as, what does the Bible say he'll come back as? The lion of Judah. Remember when Jesus was tempted in the the desert, in the wilderness with Satan, what did he use to repel or or rebuke Satan with, the word of God. Church, this is why it's so important that we understand and know the word of God. It is our sword. It's our sword. When you have the word of God in your heart, on your mind constantly, 
it helps you understand the different situations that you might get involved in in life, the people that you might meet, the situations that you're in that maybe you shouldn't be in. That Holy Spirit attaches itself to the Word. And because of that attachment, it speaks to you. It offers you discernment of what you should do in certain situations. So important to understand the word of God and to take that word and put it on your heart, as we said earlier in Revelation, to apply it, to apply it. We see the first occupants of hell. A lot of people think hell exists now. It does not exist. There is no one in hell right now. There's a Hadean world, but there's no hell. The first occupants of hell, as we read right here, will be the Antichrist and the false prophet. So we go to chapter 20. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon. It says an angel. It doesn't say a mighty angel. It doesn't say Gabriel or Michael. This is the power of God, church. God has control and reign over everything, including Satan. God uses a regular angel, a normal angel. It doesn't give any name or anything. He says he just has an angel of his Lay hold of Satan and grab him, and he's going to bind him with the chain. What kind of chain? I don't know, but God has one. He laid hold of the dragon. Listen how John describes Satan, that old serpent. John wants us to understand, and he wanted those seven churches to understand, we got the guy. This is the guy, the serpent. Remember the serpent? Remember Adam and Eve? Who tempted? The serpent. John wants us to understand that. We've got the guy, the right person. Look how he describes him, which is the devil and Satan. And he binds him for a thousand years. When you see a thousand years mentioned throughout the rest of this, it means a thousand years. It doesn't mean 999. It doesn't mean something else. It means a thousand years, and you'll notice how many times they use a thousand. I think God knows how many years is a thousand years. He uses a thousand years. When he says a thousand, he means a thousand. It casts him into the bottomless pit, and he shuts him up, and he set a seal upon him that he should not, what, church? Deceive. That is exactly what Satan does today in our world. He deceives. It says it right there. He's deceitful. That's his main purpose. He's a deceiver. Call him what he is. He's a deceiver. That he should not deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. Why God lets him loose for a little season, I don't know. I don't even know why he left him loose, let him loose at the beginning. But that, this is God. And I saw thrones and they that sat upon him and the judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded. These are tribulation saints, church, for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God and which had not worshiped the beast nor his image, nor had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned a millennial kingdom with Christ 
a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him, how many church? A thousand years. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. And he shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, and the number of whom is as the sands of the sea. I know you're scratching your head right now, and you're thinking, wait a minute, this is the millennial kingdom. And there's going to be people that Satan's going to be able to persuade yet again to go against God in this battle of Gog and Magog. But I thought the millennial kingdom was a perfect environment because Jesus is in control. You know what I think? I prayed long and hard on this. I said, God, what's going on here? You know how man always blames everybody else for everything? No matter what. They did it. She did it. This is what I think, church. And I'm I'm, I'm 99.9% this is true. God is showing yet again that even in a perfect environment with his son, As king and in control, man will still rebel against God and therefore can't use the excuse, well, it was the things that were around me that caused me to do what I do. He'd say, no, my son was king. And you still rebelled. You still listened to the deceiver. I... I believe that is exactly what's happening here, that Satan will still have enough badness in him to persuade people during the millennial kingdom to actually yet again go against God one more time. And it doesn't take long this time when God comes and and breathes fire to destroy him. We'll read about that. But that's what I think that means because I was... I had a really hard time with this section of Revelation. And that's what I, after I studied and studied and just prayed and said, God, what does this mean? That's that's the the message he gave me. Verse 9, and they went up on the breadth of the earth and encompassed the camp of the saints about and the beloved city and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And the devil that deceived them, deceived them, was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. There goes Satan. Church, this is the main reason why I believe Satan doesn't want this book taught. That is your answer right there. Because there we see God finally takes him and casts him where he belongs. And if we're not teaching this book, you never see that. You never see it. He cast him into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast 
and the false prophet are, and they shall be tormented day and night for eternity, forever and ever. The great white throne judgment, verse 11. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heavens fled away. And there was no place, there was, there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. If your name's not in the book of life, church, you have no life. Okay? Your name has to be, if you're here tonight and you have not accepted Jesus, and what I mean by that is ask Jesus for forgiveness of sin because the Bible says we all have sinned and fell short of the glory of God. Your name is not written in the book of life, okay? And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. The Bible tells us that during this millennial kingdom that the prophecy will be fulfilled that Christ will now reign on David's throne. First, as we have uh, read already, Satan has to be bound for a thousand years. And I, I bet praise the Lord after that one. Praise the Lord. Who's in complete control? God's in complete control, even over Satan. Satan is not God's opposite, church. He is not God's opposite. During the millennium in Isaiah, the second chapter, verses one and three, Israel will be headquarters. Remember, church, when Jesus said to the disciples when he left the earth, as he ascended up to heaven, the disciples stood there and gazed into heaven. What did the angels say to the disciples? Why are you so amazed? This same Jesus that you see being taken up into the heavens in the clouds is going to come back the same way in the clouds to return and set his foot in the city of Jerusalem. All at that time, church, all, that means everybody, will submit to King Jesus. There will be no wars. So who is going to reign during this thousand years? Old Testament saints, tribulation saints, and the church, his bride. So the two resurrections that we've read about here, there's two, of life, of death. The death resurrection is the second resurrection. It's the judgment. At the great white throne judgment, it's not going to determine if you're saved or lost. Everyone that appears at the great white throne judgment is lost. They're only going to receive their sentence at the great white throne judgment. They will be the last to be resurrected 
Everybody else will have been resurrected by then. The Old Testament saints, tribulation saints, the raptured church, all resurrected. First resurrection. Second resurrection, those who are lost. They'll stand before God at the great white throne judgment. What a horrible scene to be at. A horrible scene. To stand before God and to have him read back to you those things that you've done in this life and the blood of Jesus hasn't covered those things and gave you remission of your sins. You will stand before God at the great white throne judgment. That is the second death. So I just went over that. So a, a lot of people refer to Gog and Magog as the country of Russia, possibly being the country that actually leads this rebellion. It's not going to last long. Uh, it'll be over before they actually get started. Ezekiel 38 talks about it. Uh, I was talking to Nancy earlier before we started tonight. Church, don't let what we've talked about in these eight weeks be the end of your study. Actually, you can go in so many different areas with this book. All previous 65 books dump into the 66th book of Revelation. It's a very in-depth study. It pits God's word together and makes it even more complete. It'll draw you closer to God. He'll speak to you even more than he has spoken to you in the past. It's just a really good thing is to actually expand on this study in Revelation. We've talked about all this. I've, I've given you those slides, church. I, I ask that you go over them and read them. And again, use that as your study guide, uh, as your study in this book, maybe if you read it again. So at the end of the great white throne judgment, church, that's the end. Okay? All judgments have taken place. All rebellions are over. The battle of Armageddon is over. The battle of Gog and Magog is over. Everybody's been judged, either while they were here on earth or at the great white throne judgment. That's it. It's complete. All sin, which is what God's goal is, is to vanquish it from the earth. Why? You're about to see. Because God is getting ready to come back and dwell with us, just like he did in the garden with Adam and Eve. But in order to do that, all sin has to be gotten rid of because God cannot be in the presence of sin. He cannot. His son can because he did. But the only way we can see God face to face is for that blood shield to be in front of us that his son shed on the cross. Then God does not see sin any longer. Amen? Chapter 21, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And the first earth was passed away and there was no more sea. In 2 Peter, media if you have that, 2 Peter chapter 3 verses 10 through 13, the apostle Peter writes exactly what's about to happen here. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, 
in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Looking for and hasting into the coming day of our God, whereas the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth within dwelleth righteousness. The new heavens. What the Bible is referring to here, there's two heavens. The heavens in which God dwells and then there's the heavens, which is what we call the universe. That will be destroyed. The earth, it will be destroyed. God's about to make new heavens, universe, and new earth where we currently live. Remember, he has to eradicate all the sin with fire. Okay, amen? And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God. So this new Jerusalem is what we would consider heaven, but it's actually called new Jerusalem. And the Bible says it's coming down out of heaven. So in my opinion, it already exists. God's just bringing it down. Out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle. Isn't that where God dwelled church in the Old Testament and the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall, man, this is so much good news. I, I, and they shall be his people and God himself shall be with them and he'll be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes and there shall be no more death neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, it is done. When Jesus was hanging on the cross and said, it is finished, it was finished. God now is saying everything else that led up to his crucifixion from there and now through the tribulation, it is done. God is that when God says it is done, it is done. And that's why he says, I am alpha and omega. I'm the beginning, I'm the end. I'm the first and I'm the last. And God is everything in between all of those. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Verse six, and he said unto me, it is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things and I will be his God and he shall be my son. Church, remember as I'm reading this, John penned these letters to the churches and to us. We're part of that. We're the church. So as you read this, it is things that are going to happen in the future, but it's things for these churches to know. 
Because remember, when we first started talking about Revelation, we discussed that the churches were being heavily persecuted. This message that John pens here is a letter of comfort to them. When they see that God is saying, I'm in full control, and this is what is about to happen when the end comes, there's going to be a new heaven, a new earth, and I'm going to dwell with you. Wouldn't that be good news for you if you was being heavily persecuted? Sure it would be. So that's exactly the message for us today. Because of everything that we're seeing going on in this world, that's why I have a peace in my heart. Because no matter what is going on in this world, the peace of my heart says, I know what God's plan is. And because I know what his plan is, because I know his word, because I've taken his word and I've put it on my heart, I have a peace there. That no matter what CNN says, no matter what Fox News says, no matter what CNBC, BCS, or whatever they call themselves says, I know what God says. And because I know what God says, I have a peace. Amen? Praise the Lord. That's what the Word of God does for us, church. It's a peace. No matter what our surroundings are, God is a God of peace. He's not a God of fear. He's not a God where you stress over what you see going on around you. That's not who God is. It's not who God is. <coughs> I'm sure glad I've got a brother that thinks enough of me that he gives me a drink of water. Because when I get all fired up, this is what happens to my voice. Thank you, Brother Aaron. Verse 8, but the fearful and unbelieving, the abominable, abominable and murderers, whoremongers, sorcerers, idolaters, all liars. You know, we know a lot of people that lie. We see it all the time. The Bible says right here that all liars... All liars. Church, be careful. God has a book. Has a book. Don't make that something to be a habit. And you know what else I'm going to throw in with that liars? Because I think it's very damaging. People who gossip. Especially when the gossip hurts a brother or sister. Gossip. Damaging. Okay? I just thought I'd throw it in there. Have their part in the lake of fire with burnous, with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. We talked about that earlier. And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and, I, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the church, the Lamb's wife. We're no longer known as the church. Church. We're known as the Lamb's wife. How awesome is that? How awesome is that? How awesome is it for God to take his creation and in spite of the way we act sometimes, in spite of the sin that we've committed, and we've been washed by the blood, and now he calls us the lamb's wife. That, that is so awesome to me. 
that a God of heaven with all power and all authority is now calling us the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of the heaven from God, having the glory of God, and her light was like a stone, most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal, and had a great, a wall great and high, and had 12 gates, and in the gates 12 angels, and the names written thereon, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. God has not forgotten anything. He has not forgotten the children of Israel. He made them a promise. He made us a promise. He is not. Church, that's something to remember. God's promises are true. He never forgets his promises. Amen. On the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and in them the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city and the gates thereof and the wall thereof. And the city lieth four square, and the length is as large as the breadth. I've got some details for you that here in a second. Measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. The length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. When I show you these measurements, church, of how much that actually equals, Jesus wasn't lying when he said, in my father's house are many mansions. He was not telling a lie because this amount of space will allow him to have many mansions for us to live in. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And then it goes on to give all the different minerals that heaven is made up of. And I wrote a note here. I'm going to show you. I said to myself, the, the women are really going to be happy when they make it to heaven. And this is one other thing that I did. I'll throw this in here. I looked up all these minerals here. And you know what it said? How, how cool is this? All those minerals, I was telling Melissa this. When you put them all together and arrange them like God's going to have in heaven, guess what it does? It illuminates his light so that the light of God will be illuminated everywhere. They're perfect minerals that allows the light to shine through them for illumination. Isn't that awesome? That God has designed something that when we make it to the new Jerusalem, heaven with him, his light will shine no matter where you're at. That's why the Bible says there'll be no night there. Because his light will be illuminated no matter where God is in that new Jerusalem so we can see it. Isn't that incredible? Church, I don't know about you. My dad told me this one time. He says, son, if you miss heaven, you missed it all. I don't want to miss heaven. I don't want to miss it. I'm a sinner, just like the rest of you. We're all sinners. But I don't want to miss heaven. I want to be forgiven by the blood of Jesus. I want to make, I want to see God. I want to see him. I want to see him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Go ahead. Yeah, give him a hand clap of praise. Absolutely. <laughs> so it goes through all of these. And it says that the city streets are clear gold. Clear gold. 
Gold in the Bible represents God. Notice there's no silver. Why? Because silver represents redemption. We've already been redeemed. So there's no silver in heaven. Uh, verse 22, and I saw no temple for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of the sun nor of the moon to shine in it for the glory of God did lighten it and the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it and the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day. No more keys needed, church. No more locking your doors. You don't have to be afraid anymore. The doors will always be open in heaven. There shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory of honor of the nations into it. And there shall be in no wise enter into anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. I'm going to go right into 22 because I, I want to finish Revelation tonight. Uh, well, I'll get there when I get there. Let's go to, you have the slides, church. I just uh, want you to read those slides for verse, or chapter 21. Chapter 22. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. We will never thirst again, church. We will never thirst again. The pure water, the rivers of life will flow directly from God. In the midst of the street of it and on either side of the river was there the tree of life. Where do we remember seeing the tree of life? In the beginning. In the beginning. So the tree of life is in the beginning. It goes away, but it comes back in the end in Revelation. And there shall be no more curse. The curse will be removed that was imposed upon man for eating of the tree. No more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. And they shall see his face. No one has ever seen the face of God. Even, remember Moses, he was not allowed to see the face of God. But here we will see the face of God. And there shall be no night there, and they shall need no candle, neither light of sun. For the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. And he said unto me, These things are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. Jesus speaks, Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. And I, John, saw these things, and I heard them. He saw them, and he heard them. And when I had heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel, which showed me these things. Then saith he unto me, See thou do not do it, for I am a fellow servant, and of thy brethren the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book. They keep emphasizing, John keeps emphasizing, keep the sayings, church, of this book. Keep the sayings of this book. In verse 10, and he saith unto me, seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book. Daniel seals, John unseals in Revelation. For the time is at hand. Church, the time is at hand. 
I've tried to emphasize that since I started this Bible study. We're living in a time where the time is at hand. The return of Jesus is imminent. We don't know when he's going to come back and rapture his church, but it's imminent. You can see the signs all around you. The time is at hand. Be ready, church. Be ready. If you're ready, get somebody else ready. Tell somebody else. Don't be afraid to speak the word of God. You know, that used to be me. But I'll tell you, if you speak the word to somebody, you don't have to make sure if it's correct or if you said it the right way. The word takes care of that. Speak the word to someone. If you think the spirit has put it within you to speak to someone, don't think that's stupid. It's probably true. They want you to, God wants you to speak to that person. Don't be afraid. Speak to that person. I've let opportunities go by. I respect this pastor right here. He never lets that opportunity go by. I respect that. I respect that. Tell everyone, church, the time is at hand. His return is imminent. Verse 11, he that is unjust, let him be unjust still. He that is filthy, let him be filthy still. He that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega. I'm the beginning and the end. I'm the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have a right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. For without are dogs, sorcerers, whoremongers, remember he's writing this to the churches, and murderers and idolaters, and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, and the bright and morning star. And the spirit of the bride say, come. The church says, Jesus, come. This hit me, church. You know, sometimes I think we hold on to this world a little too much. Amen? I do. You know, I want to tell you this. I wasn't going to talk about this, but I am. My dad was about two weeks away from his death. He was suffering. He was suffering. He had cancer. And he hung on. And he would tell his boys, there was five of us, believe that or not, no daughters, five boys, poor mom. He would tell us, I'm hanging on for your mom. That's why I'm hanging on. I'm fighting. He was fighting. He's fighting. He didn't want to go. And the doctor, his doctor knew he was suffering. So his doctor had a meeting with us. It was more intended for my mom than with us. And he said, Mrs. Clellan, Tell your husband it's okay. Just let go. And he'll let go. And you know my mom had that conversation with him? A day later, he died. Church, 
There's times, and I think the time is now, we're trying to hold on too much to hear, let go, let go. And we get to see all of this. You know, I think, I don't know if this is true. This is just what I think. And I, I haven't injected too much of my opinion in this book. I told Pastor when I did this Bible study, I was going to make it all biblical. I was going to keep it to Scripture. No opinions. Scripture. But I think sometimes God says, I don't know if you want my son to come back. Because you love this too much. Let go. Let go. Verse 18, For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues. That's a pretty severe warning. He had the same warning at the beginning. This shows you how important this book is to God, that it comes with a warning and it comes with a blessing. And when I studied this book, believe me, I took that to heart. And I made a promise that I would not add to this and I wouldn't take it away and that was the way that I was going to teach it. That I was not going to make things up. That I was going to stick to the word of God and I was going to prove the word of God by the word of God. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, this is a severe warning. God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city, the new Jerusalem, and from the things which are written in this book. He which testifies these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Amen. And that's the end, church. That's the last book. There's no more words from God after this book. He finishes right there. Thank you for listening to the Jewel City Podcast. 